This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the health department reports an uptick in the number of COVID-19 fatalities. The daily death reports had been trending down over the past week, but on Wednesday, the state reported 202 additional fatalities. The governor was in Broward Wednesday, one of the county's hardest hit by the virus, but he never mentioned COVID-19. Ron DeSantis was there to try to whip up support for his Supreme Court nominee, who technically doesn't meet all the requirements to actually hold the job. We're now facing a politically motivated lawsuit attempting to prevent Judge Francis from assuming office in just the next two weeks. Today on Sunrise, a deep dive into the legal and public relations battle between the governor and state representative Geraldine Thompson over the Florida Supreme Court. More backlash for the president in the aftermath of a scathing report in The Atlantic that says he referred to soldiers who died in action as losers and suckers. Some Florida veterans say Donald Trump is unfit to be commander-in-chief because he does not understand the concepts of empathy or sacrifice. As a Marine, my, my heart fell out when I heard those comments that this president made about us being losers and suckers. We have a president who does not know the truth. He doesn't comprehend duty, honor, and country. He is a disgrace. He should keep his mouth shut, and it's time for him to go. A new book from Bob Woodward could solve one of the mysteries of the 2016 election, which Florida counties were hacked by the Russians. We already knew about Washington County. Woodward says the other was St. Lucie. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with a nearly naked Florida man accused of stealing from a neighbor's mailbox. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, September 10th. Over the past week, there has been a steady decline in the number of fatalities in Florida from COVID-19. That streak came to an end Wednesday when the health department reported 202 new fatalities. That raises the state's death toll to at least 12,269. The health department also reported more than 2,000 newly confirmed cases of coronavirus, bringing the known total to more than 652,000. You hear a lot about the COVID crisis in nursing homes, and with good reason. More than 5,000 of Florida's fatalities were people who lived or worked in long-term care. But it's also a major concern for people with physical or intellectual disabilities who often live in group settings. A new report from the Florida Agency for Persons with Disabilities says 1,200 of their clients have been infected with the coronavirus. 54 of them have died. The report shows 353 workers at group homes or private facilities that care for people with disabilities have tested positive. Six of them have died. 49 employees at the agency itself have also tested positive for the virus. Governor Ron DeSantis travels to the heart of Florida's COVID crisis to make an announcement, one that had absolutely nothing to do with COVID-19. He didn't even mention it. DeSantis went to Broward County to defend his decision to violate the state constitution by appointing Judge Renatha Francis to the Florida Supreme Court. As many of you know, in May, I announced the selection of Judge Renatha Francis to be a justice on the Florida Supreme Court, and she would represent the first ever Jamaican American to be selected for the highest court in the state of Florida, and I believe any state Supreme Court um, in the country. Uh, And yet, uh, rather than celebrate this great achievement, we're now facing a politically motivated lawsuit attempting to prevent Judge Francis from assuming office in just the next two weeks. Let's pause for just a moment to talk about what the governor calls a politically motivated lawsuit. It was filed by State Representative Geraldine Thompson of Windermere, who told us back in June that the governor and the Judicial Nominating Commission ignored the legal requirement that Judge Francis be a member of the Florida Bar for at least 10 years before being appointed to the Supreme Court. 
In other words, she didn't meet the basic requirements to even apply for the job. The Judicial Nominating Commission exceeded its authority when they nominated and sent forward a list of individuals that included a person who is ineligible based on the Constitution. That was in January. The governor compounded uh, that error by appointing an individual to the Florida Supreme Court who is ineligible based on the Florida Constitution. Now, when I uh, was elected to the legislature, I took an oath, raised my right hand. Uh, the governor did the same thing when he was elected uh, to his office, and we swore to uphold the Constitution. And this action is unconstitutional. So Thompson sued the governor, and two weeks ago, the Florida Supreme Court said eh, she was basically right. But rather than attack her legal arguments, DeSantis chose to attack Representative Thompson. He claims there's nothing wrong with bending the rules for the right person. Look, I'm somebody that believes you stand for what you believe in, you do, do what you write. I'm not going to begrudge anyone for necessarily taking some of these actions. The problem I have in this case is this particular representative has been somebody that's been very vocal about wanting to have a black justice on the Florida Supreme Court. Well, guess what? The petition that she has filed right now would block a black justice and then, if granted, potentially force me to pick from the remaining names, who are all very good, but guess what? None of them are going to be a black justice. So if that is your goal, then this lawsuit is totally undermining what you stated that you wanted to do. And so when I see a politician saying one thing and then doing another, to me, that's the hypocrisy that so many people are sick and tired of when it comes to people in office. And I think the reason why you're seeing that hypocritical stance is partisanship. And here's the thing. We have a divided country. Do we need everything to devolve into party and partisan differences? The governor also enlisted the support of several African-American officials in South Florida to speak up for Judge Francis. State Representative Dottie Joseph of North Miami says the Black Caucus in the legislature is supporting her appointment despite the legalities. While she may be conservative and a member of the Federalist Society, none of those things in and of themselves disqualify Judge Francis from deserving our support or stamp of approval. When I see Judge Francis, as you heard yourself, you see a black woman, a devoted wife and mother, who may not fit in the traditional path of being a justice on the Supreme Court, but who is nevertheless connected to her community and has chosen not to turn her back on us. What we're talking about is a mere days, two weeks from today, she will be qualified. So right now, I wanna speak directly to my colleague as one black woman to another who operates in the same political system dominated by various interests. I want to take a moment to speak to Representative Thompson. Black woman to black woman, I stand here in the gap interceding on behalf of another black woman, and I ask for mercy. Given the current setup of the court's position, we risk losing the chance to have a black justice on the Supreme Court. Please drop this lawsuit and instead direct our energies on bringing forth real reform on things that we can agree on like criminal justice reform in light of the Black Lives Matter movement. Why would we not have a black justice on the court? So in closing, Representative Thompson, I'm asking for mercy for Judge Francis. Just mercy. When Thompson filed the lawsuit, she knew she would be accused of turning on her own race, and she says it's not true. I don't know what uh, motivation uh, I would have to keep 
an African-American uh, from appointment to the Florida Supreme Court. I am seeking uh, a remedy that would cause the governor to make an appointment of an African-American to the Florida Supreme Court. That's the reason that I'm here. But these are people who are eligible and highly qualified. No one is questioning the judge's legal acumen or suggesting she's Florida's version of Clarence Thomas. But if you have to ignore the Constitution to make an appointment, maybe the Supreme Court is a bad place to start. It undermines her authority as a jurist and could give the governor the idea that he can ignore the law or the Constitution whenever it's inconvenient. Haven't we had enough of that mentality that the ends justifies the means? Thompson's lawsuit is also having an effect on the legal battle between the state and the teachers union about the forced reopening of public schools during the COVID pandemic. The Florida Education Association won round one. The case is now at the First District Court of Appeal. Now, two judges on that DCA made the list of finalists for the Supreme Court earlier this year. And the teachers union says Lori Rowe and Timothy Osterhaus thus have a conflict of interest because they could be considered for the high court again if Thompson's lawsuit over Judge Francis is successful. Florida veterans are piling on the president after news reports that Donald Trump has a long history of mocking members of the military and belittling the sacrifices they make for the rest of us. State Senator Victor Torres says members of the military are beginning to realize their commander-in-chief doesn't give a damn. As a Marine, my, my heart fell out when I heard those comments that this president made about us being losers and suckers. The comments made by this president makes us feel that you don't, you don't care about us. You don't care what happens to us, us or our families and those who have given their lives. When you look at the service that all of us have come from different lifestyles, because we come from the rich to poor, black or white or Hispanic, Asian, any color, we serve this country with pride. But when you take that and, and, and degrade us, you can't be the commander in chief. You need to be replaced. You need to be taken out and taken out in a way that the military will vote against you. Those veterans will still serve in this country, like my son, like my nephew, like my neighbor's kid. We need to stand up and voice that vote against him, against Trump. We need to stand tall. Simplify, you know what that means? Always faithful always faithful. And that's what we need in a commander-in-chief, always faithful. Shelley Placido started off in the enlisted ranks and worked her way up to captain in the Air Force. She has disagreed with some of our presidents, but Placido says she's never seen anything like Donald Trump. You take many oaths during the time you're in the military. Uh, you sign many papers swearing that what you're saying is the truth. We have a president who does not know the truth, who has never ever face the consequences of his behavior. Um, he doesn't comprehend duty, honor, and country, and has no grasp of history, the Constitution, or law. Um, I have in the past disagreed with, with uh, some of the presidents that we had and some of their decisions. Uh, I certainly have not voted for all of them in the past, but I can say from my point of view, every single one of them was an honorable man who did not send our troops out uh, without any thought to, to them or their families. I think that we do not have that situation right now. And uh, I think the Bidens are very different. Uh, they know what sacrifice is. They understand the worry of waking up every morning or going to bed every night, wondering if their son is going to survive or not uh, to see another day. And we need 
a commander in chief who is aware of the sacrifice, who honors the individuals who serve and who will thoughtfully conduct himself in, in, res in respect to those things. Stephen Lepper was a two-star general in the Air Force, and he says the fact that so many senior officers are now speaking out should tell you something, because the military brass has always taken pride in being apolitical. One of the things that I learned in my long career in the Air Force was that one of the first principles of leadership is that you have to care about the people you lead. If you don't care about them, if you're not willing as a leader to eat last, as we say, and let your troops eat first, then you, you, you don't inspire in them the confidence that they need that you're going to be making decisions with them in mind, first and foremost. And the thing that concerns me most about how this president has treated the military is that I'm not sure how he's going to regard them when he has to make hard decisions about how to use them. And so like so many other retired flag and general officers, um, as I continued to hear and see the things that were going on in the White House over the past three and a half years, I bit my tongue for the most part. Uh, there are a lot of flag and general officers who are reluctant to speak out because in their long service to our country, they have been apolitically silent. But it got to the point uh, where I, I couldn't limit my frustration to screaming at the television anymore. And I decided that I would speak out. And so that's what I've been trying to do. The contempt with which he uh, held our heroes. And I'm not just talking about heroes who've worn the military uniform, but also the heroes who've served us during this COVID-19 epidemic, the healthcare providers, our first responders, police and firefighters. Uh, he has held all of them in contempt at some point or another during his term in office. As someone who grew up on military bases here and overseas, I can tell you Republicans have almost always had an edge with military personnel and veterans. They are perceived as tougher than the Democrats and more supportive of the military. But Trump is altering those perceptions. And if he loses veterans, he loses the White House. A new book by reporter Bob Woodward of Watergate fame may have solved one of the enduring mysteries of the 2016 election in Florida, namely, which counties were hacked by the Russians. The National Security Agency and the Central Intelligence Agency have classified evidence that Russians placed malware in the election registration systems of at least two Florida counties. Previous reports had identified Washington County as one of them. The second was a mystery until now. In his book, Rage, Woodward says St. Lucie County was also hacked. However, there's no evidence the malware was activated or that voter registration information was altered. The book goes on sale next week. Your calendar of events begins at 9 when the Florida Supreme Court hears arguments in three cases, including disputes about medical exams in personal injury cases from Orange and Broward counties. The University of North Florida trustees meet online at 9. The South Florida Water Management District meets at 9. The Florida Chamber Foundation holds an online event at 10 to launch an interactive tool to help improve third grade reading scores. The Florida Supreme Court releases weekly opinions at 11. At noon, the Florida State University Alumni Association holds its annual kickoff luncheon online. FSU's president, John Thrasher will be among the people making video presentations. The Joint Legislative Budget Commission meets at 1 to receive a presentation about Florida's long-range financial outlook. Spoiler alert, it's pretty gloomy. The coronavirus pandemic has created a multi-billion dollar hole in the state budget. 
The University of Central Florida trustees meet at 4. The Florida Rehabilitation Council meets by conference call at 445. The Board of Nursing meets by conference call at 5. The Northwest Florida Water Management District holds a public hearing on its budget at 505. And the South Florida Water Management District holds an online public hearing on its new budget at 515. Finally today, a Florida man is accused of stealing mail from a neighbor while wearing underwear. Nothing else, just underwear. According to the arrest report, the victim was leaving her home in Hawthorne when she spotted the nearly naked guy rooting through her mailbox. When she asked him what he was doing, 64-year-old David Dunaway began yelling incoherently. She says he tried to attack her while she was in her vehicle. She drove down the road to try and get away from the guy, but he chased after her, and she ended up pulling a gun on Dunaway, who turned and ran. Alachua County deputies arrested him later on charges of burglary with assault or battery and resisting an officer. Bail is set at $60,000. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.